says in the book of Isaiah, chapter 43, I'll read this to you. Verse 19. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The beast of the field will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches, because I give water in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. To give drink to my people, my chosen, this people I have formed for myself, they shall declare my praise. God is telling his people that he has brand new plans for them, that he wants to do something new with them, even in the midst of impossible situations that God would use his people and refresh his people. And the people that I have formed for myself, they shall declare my praise. As you know, the last couple of weeks I was over in Japan and China, and I had some slides prepared to show you tonight, but I got my film back and most of them were under or overexposed. So I only got a few of them that are good, and uh, one of these nights soon, on a Thursday night, I'll be showing them to you, especially when my video comes in that Mike's going to send me. But a couple weeks ago, I found myself in Beijing, China, the populated and capital city of China itself. Now, as you know, I've told you before, China has the greatest population of any country on Earth. One out of every four human beings on the planet Earth are Chinese. One out of every four people are Chinese. One out of every five people in the world is from India. So half of the world, more than half of the world, lives in just China and India alone, those two countries. And it's so populated, and they're so hungry, and those who are Christians are so hungry to be used by the Lord. And we spoke at a seminary, and I don't know what background or knowledge you have of Chinese church, and uh, some of you uh, would say... Um, you shouldn't have preached at a three-self church, but I tell you what, I found some hungry people there. And uh, we spoke at a seminary, and as I was speaking in Beijing, and I had an interpreter who was born and raised in China, people, it was like throwing water on a sponge. These people were just hungry, listening to every word, hanging on every word. And we were seeing in the body language the truths that were coming forth from, their, from the Word, which are foundational to all of you. You know them already. To them it was so fresh and new, and they were ready to learn it and to go out and use it. And as I was thinking of those people, I thought, of course, back to the United States. And I found something in all of my travels around the world, in Thailand, in India, in China, in uh, the Philippines, in Europe, in the Middle East, that the average churchgoer, in the United States, knows more about this book than the average pastor in the third world. The average churchgoer in America knows more about this book than the average pastor in the third world, which means you would do a better job at pastoring if God gave you that gift and calling as some of these people in the third world. They just don't lack the tools, the training, but they want it desperately. And I thought about the potential here. And one of the, the texts that I shared with the uh, seminary in Beijing China, was out of Matthew chapter 9 and 10, which describes the ministry of Jesus going out into all of Galilee. And remember, he brought 12 men with him called disciples. And he was training the disciples to become apostles. He didn't want them to just stay disciples and be followers and learners and take notes and say, good message, Jesus. I really like that one. But then to go out and see what Jesus did and do what Jesus did. But at first, Jesus did everything, but let them see what he was doing, and then he told them to go out. The story goes something like this. Jesus went throughout all of their cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every disease among them. But seeing the multitudes, he had compassion on them, because they were weary and scattered like sheep having no shepherd. And Jesus said, the harvest is truly plentiful. But the laborers are so few. Pray, therefore, that the Lord of the harvest will thrust out, literally, or raise up or send forth laborers into his harvest field. The very next chapter shows how Jesus took these twelve and told them to go out. And so if you were to outline that passage, it would be, so many people, so much need, so I send you. There's so many people out there, and I saw that in China. Um, especially, you go down the streets and you see thousands of bicycles going down the street, all ringing their little bells. Ring, ring. It sounds like a one gigantic bell 
uh, on any of the main streets in the cities of China. They got nifty little bells that we used to have when we were kids. You used to get a Western Auto. I don't even think you can find them here anymore. And um, but there are just so many people. And you look over all these people and you think, how many of them know Jesus? Not many of them. Thinking that one out of every four in the world is Chinese and one out of every five is from India. And so Jesus said, there's so many people, there is so much need. He told them to pray. They prayed. Now He said, okay, good. I'm going to answer your prayer now. You've been praying that the Lord will send forth harvesters? That's right, Lord. Great. I want you to go out into all the villages that I just went and preached the Gospel and heal people. Oh, I don't know if I have that gift or not. Well, just try it. And God raised them. Jesus told them to go out and they went out and did it. And... Um, I've had a, I've had three weeks away basically to see this and to hammer through what I believe God wanting to do here. And tonight, basically, I want to share a new kind of a vision with you. And uh, I've written it down in my computer. My computer spit it out today, but um, I wrote it down because it says in Habakkuk, God told Habakkuk when he was going to do a new thing. He said, Habakkuk, write the vision down, make it plain upon the tablets so that they may run who read it. And I'm praying that as I share this vision that some of you will key in on this and say, I'm going to run with that. That's something that I bear witness to and I want to be involved in. But I want to back up and share this as the Lord gave it to me. There is a vision that we have written down basically for this church body that we believe is a New Testament balance for what God wants us to do. And it could be summed up in three words. If you've been here very long, you already know these words and what they mean. And if you've been a mature believer, you're doing all of these things. The vision is simply upreach, inreach, and outreach. That's the vision of this church. And we define it this way. Upreach is your relationship with the Lord. You learn how to worship Him, communicate to Him, read His Word, learn of Him, love Him. And you have this personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You never leave that. That's foundational. We always invite people to have a relationship with Jesus. One thing we should never do is say, have a relationship with Jesus, and I'll leave that behind and graduate on to something else. But we always come to that simplicity of my love relationship with the Lord. That is foundational. And everything we do as Christians flows out of that one ministry. We will never be effective reaching the body of Christ or the world unless we have a healthy, close, intimate relationship with our Lord. But beyond that, there is inreach. That is, God has given to us spiritual gifts. Some of you have the gift of teaching. Some of you have the gift of administration. Others helps. Others healing. Others uh, on and on and on. Several gifts of the Spirit. One or more. God has given them to you, not so that you can go, hey, check out my gift. I'm pretty gifted. I think I'll write a book about how gifted I am. But so that you can take your gift and come alongside some other Christian, the body of Christ, and build them up to be like Jesus. God has given them different gifts than you have. And the Bible says, covet earnestly the best gifts. Which are the best gifts? Whichever one God has for you, not for somebody else, just for you. And so you discover your relationship with God, that's upreach. Inreach, using your gift in the body of Christ. And beyond that is outreach. Telling a lost world about Jesus. Now I've noticed something about churches in general. They can become imbalanced in that vision. They can focus on one and neglect the others. I know churches that just focus all their whole service and ministry on upreach. Period. You know, restore praise and worship. And the whole service is designed around praise and worship only. And they become so imbalanced with that, they never... Think about how the body of Christ is hurting and really needs them and their giftedness. And there's a lost world that doesn't know Jesus who's dying and going to hell. Then there are other people who just think about inreach and they think, boy, everybody's hurting and we've got to really make sure everybody doesn't hurt. And we see, I see ten problems wrong with you, brother, and I want to point them out to you and then hope that you get better. And uh, you solve those ten problems, you'll find probably twenty others. And the church becomes introverted, looks only in itself, and the philosophy behind many of these churches and movements is, I can't be effective for Jesus Christ in a lost world until I get my act together. That's a lie. God uses imperfect people. And you might have hang-ups and failures tonight, but God can still use you tonight. 
Then there are those churches who focus only on outreach. Save the lost world, evangelism. Well, I know you have needs in the body and we have a relationship with God, but we exist primarily for evangelism, and that's an imbalance. All of those things must be in proper balance, beginning first with the relationship with the Lord. All of us tonight should have a gift that we're using in this body, or we're depriving the body of an important gift, and we're sitting around doing nothing. And then beyond that, Lord, there's a lost world. Help me to impact that lost world with the gospel. And so this brings me uh, to something that I wanted to share with you. This church has so much potential. In fact, Christianity Today called it a few couple years ago the fastest growing church in America during 1988 and 89. Well, I guess that's neat because God's doing some neat things, but so what if everybody isn't learning what God wants them to learn, being built up in the faith, and then using, eventually, not at the same rate, and just a little asterisk, a little note regarding that. Because I hear somebody saying, Amen, Amen, preach it to them. And some of you are thinking, you know, I'm really effective for Christ, but I see a lot of people who are just sitting in the pew. They're not like I am. I can say to you, Mr. Legalistic, give them a break. Because Jesus said that some will bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, and some a hundredfold. And you might be thinking that you're producing a hundredfold, and only the Lord knows. But there are some, there was, you, at one time, you only brought forth thirtyfold. And God gave you a break and was patient with you. And so you be patient and encourage and love and strengthen the body of Christ instead of pointing fingers. But there still is great potential. The way I see the Christian life is I don't want to survive. I want to live. You know, there's a big difference between those two. You can survive and maintain. You can get a job, have an occupation, make money, bring home a paycheck, and that'll bring food on the table so you can get strong and go out and work and bring home more food and go out and get another paycheck and feed more people and get more money, and that's survival. Life is when you have purpose and meaning. And it doesn't mean that you have to quit your job and become full-time in the ministry. It means that wherever you are, you see yourself as a servant and in the ministry. You might be a lawyer or a doctor, and God needs you as a doctor and as a lawyer for His glory in the kingdom. doesn't mean you have to change that. You might be going to college thinking, no, I shouldn't go to college, I should go in the ministry. Well, maybe God is preparing you now for the future in a ministry that no one else has because they won't have the education that you're getting now. And God needs people like that. God needs good Christian professors. Uh, thank God He doesn't take a mold and say, okay, all of you have to look, talk, and act like this. How boring it would be. God is so, He has so much variety. And what's beautiful is that God loves you the way you are. And you are the way you are by God's grace. God wants to change the way you are in some areas, no doubt. But you can just be yourself and let God use who you are the way you are. Oh, but I've got flaws and hang-ups. Don't you think he's big enough to handle that and change you as you go along? Well, we come to Acts chapter 20 tonight because that's where we're supposed to be. And uh, I'm going to lightly touch on this. Uh, and I mean lightly, but there's some principles in here uh, that happened to Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle, as you know, was not only a disciple, but an apostle. He was sent out to do a work for the Lord. He traveled around the world. Uh, Acts chapter 20 speak about him going to Greece, Troas, and Miletus. He's on his way to Jerusalem. A church, as we have already read about, has been established and founded in Ephesus. It has been growing and thriving, and the believers there are stirring up the gifts that God has put within them. When Paul first went there, there was nothing. Local leadership has been raised up. They haven't been imported from Jerusalem. They were raised up locally. Years have gone by. Paul is on his way to Jerusalem, and he stops and has a meeting with the leaders at the church of Ephesus. In verse 17, we read from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called for the elders of the church. And when they had come to him, he said to them, You know from the first day that I came to Asia in what manner? 
I have always lived among you, serving the Lord with all humility, with many tears and trials which happened to me by the plotting of the Jews, and how I kept back nothing that was helpful, but proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house, testifying to Jews and also to Greeks repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And see, now I go bound in the Spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulations await me, but none of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, so that I may finish my race with joy. And the ministry which I receive from the Lord Jesus to testify of the gospel of grace, and indeed, now I know that you all, among whom I have gone preaching the kingdom of God, will see my face no more. Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. For I know that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you an inheritance among all who are sanctified. Paul said, I lived with you, first of all. I was with you. You saw me. You saw how I've served the Lord among you. The fruit stands for itself. You're a part of it. Some of you are direct results of that fruit. He said, I kept back nothing that was helpful. I proclaimed it to you and taught you publicly and from house to house. The church met publicly, like a meeting like this tonight, and in homes, in home fellowships. He testified, but he was going on his way to Jerusalem. Wherever Paul went, prophets arose and said, Paul, if you go to Jerusalem, this is what's going to happen. And one prophet named Agabus took a belt and wrapped it around himself and bound himself to make a dramatic demonstration. This is what's going to happen to you, Paul. And also, wherever Paul went, he was criticized by the churches saying, oh, Paul says this, but he really does that. And on and on and on. But you know what? Paul always had a single eye. He didn't care. He said, none of these things move me. I don't even count my own life dear to myself. I've been purchased so that I might finish my course what God told me to do with joy. I just want to be faithful to what God called me to do. But know this, I have not shunned to declare to you all the counsel of God. Paul was faithful. He taught them the word. But local leadership was raised up and he went on. He left them. And he also warned them of wolves that would come in and destroy the sheep. And it did happen. Even from among the own, their own church. Can you imagine that tonight, perhaps, there are wolves scattered among the flock who, given the right opportunity, would like to rise up and steal you away. They may or may not know that they're wolves. But Paul predicted from among your own flock that would happen. What a strong warning this is. But it shows me that Paul, when he was in Ephesus... And he taught at the school of Tyrannus for those years. Two years and then another year that he taught, that he discipled. He taught in public meetings, but trained people from house to house. They were thriving. And there came a time when the church was healthy and he was able to leave. Now, while I was in China, and uh, I'm not buttering you up to tell you that I'm going to leave you or anything like that, but some ideas came into my mind. <coughs> and um, one was for the need for training people in this church to do, go out and do ministry. Now, we've had that in different capacities in the past. And many have gone out. We've started churches in different parts of the state and different parts of the United States. People have gone overseas. But I'm sitting in Beijing or standing in Beijing addressing seminary students, realizing that most of you know more than probably they ever will or have the opportunity to. And I thought, oh, Lord, the potential that's in the body of Christ if they could just be encouraged and 
personally discipled and trained up and released to go out and do your work. Whether that means in China, I'm not saying you need to go overseas because your own backyard has the same needs China does or Japan or anywhere else. But I, these thoughts or these ideas were going through my mind. Several things I wanted to see established <coughs> that I've been praying for the last couple of years. We had a school up in the mountains a couple of years ago and uh, it burned down and I think that the Lord was in it. He started it when he wanted to, and he stopped it when he wanted to. And I'm glad he started it, and I'm glad he stopped it. And God wants to do a new thing. But these ideas were going through my mind, and I came across a scripture that says, commit your works to the Lord, and your thoughts will be established. So I took a few days just seeking the Lord and asking him to give me some concrete thoughts, a vision that I could write down and share with my leaders and with the church. And I got my staff together yesterday and shared these things with them, and I'm sharing them with you tonight. But... I am convinced that the secret of ministry is lay leadership. <clears throat> what I mean by that is typically people have seen the ministry as done by a few professionals. But this church is mostly operated on lay power. And that's because so many of you are so hungry and desirous to serve the Lord. It's very commendable. Every guest speaker that comes here, every guest musician, they always say, golly, your church is so wonderful to share with. They're so excited about the Lord. They're wanting to be involved in the ministry. They're wanting to grow. They listen. They grab a hold. And it's wonderful to see that. Now, beyond that, there's more potential. But um, there's some changes that I'd like to see occur. And I'll share them with you now. And I, I have pages. I'm going to kind of read from these things tonight. It's not my typical style. But uh, I'll share these things with you. First change I'd like to see implemented here is I want to cancel the Thursday night midweek study. And I'll tell you why. Before you go, oh, it's my lifeline. I want to tell you the new, the new thing that I think the Lord may want to do. In canceling a midweek study and keeping Sunday morning and Sunday night to go through the Bible, that will allow... <coughs> excuse me for a more focused training throughout weekdays and during the night. Now, the building right now is used every night of the week. I'd like to see it used more every night of the week and every day of the week, constantly just being used for God's glory. There will still be a midweek Bible study. The only thing is it will be every night of the week. But I'll explain. The purpose in canceling the midweek study would be A, to train and encourage leaders for home fellowships, and B, to develop a school of ministry. Not just a school of missions, a school of ministry, which could mean if you're a housewife, you'll be a more effective housewife. If you want to be a pastor, we'll give you the tools and the equipment if God gives you the gift to get you out there. The home fellowships have been around for a long time, and uh, some people can get involved with them. A lot of people find that they cannot do it. But in lieu of having a Thursday night study, if you cut that out, that alleviates a night of the week that people could commit to a smaller, more intimate group. If you say, well, now we have a lot of services and you should attend them all, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Thursday night in a home fellowship. Besides that, take care of your kids, your wife, take them to softball games and have a vacation. I mean, it's just impossible. Those things, kinds of things, especially if you have children and uh, a large family, those things become tougher. If we remove the midweek study, still keeping the emphasis of the word Sunday morning and Sunday night, it would allow people an extra night to commit to training <coughs> and to home fellowships. So, um, one of the, some of the vision I have is to bring cohesion to the home fellowship so they feel an integral part of the ministry and direction of the church. Help the leaders and the participants in the home fellowships feel the heartbeat of the ministry. Encourage the leaders in the overall vision so they feel a part of the very core of the in-reach ministry. Each leader in the home fellowship should be able to reproduce himself in another person. 2 Timothy 2.2 2. Train others to train others to train others to train others. Establish an increasing number of home fellowships in the Albuquerque area. You know, we've seen them grow, but that would be double and triple the amount of home fellowships, especially in lieu of a Thursday night Bible study. Um... Part of the training for the home fellowships I'm going to take on personally. I want to share my vision with these new leaders and I want to raise up a whole new flock of uh, 
leaders in the home fellowships as well. There's a whole new core that God has brought into the church that uh, would love to add to what's already being done by many of you uh, kinship leaders. Uh, training the leaders in biblical counseling, spiritual leadership. Fellowship together as leaders in large groups like all the kinships we have done and all kinship fun days and retreats for leaders. <clears throat> and what I'd like to do is update all of the home fellowship leaders uh, personally, I know that I am in and out a lot, and God has expanded my ministry and taken it in a whole new direction, and it's going in, in newer directions. And uh, I like what I see, what God is doing, but it still makes me want to communicate, perhaps via audio tape or videotape, to home fellowship leaders, so that the leaders, I can tell them every month things that God is putting on my heart, new trips that I may be taking, opportunities for the church that before even the church at large hears about it, they'll already know about it and be praying about it. By canceling a midweek study, it allows people time to commit to a fellowship in a home and or training in the school of ministry. Okay, that's number one. Number two, a school of ministry. Purpose of this school is to train believers to become servant leaders mature enough to make an impact for Jesus Christ in a dark world. The purpose is that they be equipped with the vision that we just shared with you. Upreach, inreach, and outreach so that these can become believers sent out into His harvest field, wherever that would be. Here, in this church, in the local area, in the state of New Mexico, or in the world, beyond the uttermost parts of the earth. So that disciples can become apostles. Learners and followers can be sent out. Now here's the training that we have thought about. The classroom and field environment. By that I mean you're being trained on a more intimate, personal level with opportunities to exercise everything you're learning in the classroom can be more concentrated, interactive, and thus more ideal to train people for this than large group Bible study. There is still the need, however, for the student to be involved in regular church Bible studies, for it is there that the foundation is developed with the consistent teaching of the Word of God. The school setting will allow for fewer people to meet daily, having an opportunity to discover and nurture their spiritual gifts in an environment of acceptance and love. Multiple course curriculum will be included with the objective of deepening one's roots biblically and academically while broadening one's spiritual horizon. Now, this is what we're talking about, basically, is a school that would take place during the day for those who can do it. This is one phase of it. And the classes would be from 8 in the morning till noon, giving a student an opportunity for afternoon or evening employment, community outreach, and also interning in the ministry uh, on a field outreach toward the end. At night, we would also have the same classes because there's a lot of people who think, boy, I'd love to be trained in leadership or take those classes, get involved in those concentrated kinds of Bible studies, and yet I work during the day, I support a family, it's impossible for me. Is there any training available? Yes. And what we want to do is duplicate the classes at night as an elective. You could take one class or all of the classes, including the leadership and pastoral training. Uh, the duration of the school will be a school year from September to the end of May. Classes from 8 in the morning till noon. But we want to start this in January. So that will be kind of like half of the school year, and we're going to condense it into one semester the first year and expand it to two semesters the second year. The requirements for this school is uh, church attendance here, home fellowship involvement. You know, we don't want loose cannons saying, well, God has called me, but I don't need to plug into anything. We want you to plug into some ministry. Home fellowship, working in the parking lot, working in the nursery, involved in some kind of a ministry outlet already in the church, learning how to use your gifts. And uh, I already explored the option uh, that there are those who work and would like to take the same classes. They'll be offered at night. And there'll be a special Thursday night leadership session that I'm going to teach for all of the daytime students in the School of Ministry, for all of the night students, for people who want to be involved in leadership principles, and for those who want pastoral training, some uh, hardcore uh, ministry opportunity training and challenge to go out. And uh, also those who want to go to the Soviet Union. Now, God is opening up so many doors that we need to get ready for it. When the door opened in the Soviet Union, the American church was not ready for it. Bill Bright came and had a meeting with us. And he looked us in the eye and he said, 
I'd like Calvary chapels to plant a million churches in Russia. Now think about that number. A million churches, not Christians, churches in Russia. And none of us were ready. We're making plans to hopefully send people from our churches, but what happens when the door opens that wide into China? And it will one day. The walls of communism will be coming down in China one day and the doors will be so wide open we need to start preparing for it. And so we want to prepare some of you who are very interested and we want to equip you to be sent to the Soviet Union to begin that ministry. The schedule and the curriculum. From 8 to 9 every morning there will be a devotion. Now these again are for students who will go to the school during the day. During this daily hour, the emphasis will be on upreach. Students will be taught a well-balanced prayer life and worship life via many Bible studies, short excerpts from some of the classic devotional writers of church history. Corporate prayer will emphasize intercession for the world, and students will learn how to use the guidebook Operation World by Patrick Johnstone to pray for every country in the world. And uh, students will be learned effective prayer and how to pray for the world. And we want to put a big globe over in the mini-chapel and take different parts of the world and pray for them throughout the year. There will be then two sessions in the morning, one from 9.15 to 10.30 and then 10.45 to 12 noon. Afternoons and evenings, students are free to find employment except for Thursday nights, which will be reserved for leadership training sessions. Thursday morning, there won't be any classes. Thursday evening, there will be, and we'll bring everybody together for that. Uh... Also, I put a note in here that the school will also help the students <coughs> to locate employment using local Christian businesses if so desired. In fact, right now I'll put out the feelers. If you are an employer or you own a business, I'm going to challenge you to open up opportunities in your business to provide employment for some of the School of Ministry students in the afternoons and evenings um, so that they'll be able to work and, and uh, get ministered to and learn ministry at the same time. The daily schedule for this school will be as follows. Monday uh, morning, the first session after the devotions, will be a class on vision and perspective. This class will provide underlying principles for Christian service to hone the student's purpose for serving. The book, The Jesus Style, by Gail Irwin, will be used to begin the class. Other materials, such as Loving God by Chuck Colson, etc., will also be used. Attention will be given in this class to the application of ministry in evangelism, cross-cultural missions, and discipleship to fulfill the great commission given by Jesus to the church. The second session is a class on contemporary issues and biblical solutions. This course will examine how biblical truth speaks to difficult issues of our day. Issues like capital punishment, prayer in schools, national defense, inflation and taxes, homosexuality, abortion, evolution, etc., Beyond the academics of evaluating these issues in light of the Scripture, we will discuss how Christians can make a responsible difference in a non-Christian society. The student will develop a Christian worldview as well as practical ways to apply the gospel to these issues. See, these are questions that a lot of you have. And the classes are going to provide a setting not only to explore the answers, but how to be effective in this world for Jesus Christ. And uh, we've got textbooks for these. I don't need to go into all that. Second day, Tuesday, the first session will be History of the Church and Great Spiritual Movements. And this is really neat because what we want to do is take the progress of church history from the book of Acts all the way up to the present. We'll discuss the major events and the people that God used throughout church history. The structure of this class will divide the chronology of the church into eight great ages so that this vast subject can easily be understood. Also, to supplement that, we have a film series that dramatizes church history throughout the ages. On Tuesday, the second session is a class on practical theology. I'll tell you why we called it that. Because a lot of times theology classes are boring and deader than a doornail. Because the focus is just on academics and getting this degree to hang on your wall. What we want to do is use theology practically in our lives and uh, go out and use it for... The, for and all of us should know some of these things that are going to be covered. This will provide an examination of various aspects of systematic theology so that the student can have a grasp of biblical doctrine. However, in this class, information is not the goal, but transformation. 
studying our relationship to God, His attributes, His people, His enemies, His plan for the future, etc., will change our perspective and help us to be conformed into His image. During this course, all major biblical doctrines will be discussed as well as all major doctrinal differences between churches. Also, the student will learn what the difference is between Orthodox Christianity and the cults. On Wednesday, the first session in the morning will be a class on the Bible, or in seminaries they call it bibliology. We'll discuss the importance of the Bible, how we got the Bible, the authority of the Bible, the reliability and inerrancy of the Scripture will all be discussed, as well as a defense for the Christian faith, or apologetics. And now this class is going to interface with taking the students out to some of the cult groups like Kingdom Hall and Mormon Temple and even college campuses and to discuss with people the beliefs of the Christian faith and learn how to share our faith. Second session in the morning is an Old Testament and New Testament survey using two great books that really changed my life and helped me understand the message and the meaning of the whole Bible by Irving Jensen. So a survey of the Old Testament and New Testament so that you will be able to extract biblical truth for yourself by observation and organization. The class will help the student feel comfortable and confident anywhere in the Bible. Thursday morning will be devotions and community outreaches for these students. They can help widows in the community, single mothers, ministries to the poor, food distribution, convalescent home outreach. Thursday evening will be leadership training. That's a class that I'm going to teach. I'll set out a philosophy of ministry and leadership principles with the students, and this is what I really want to do. I want to take people who want to be leaders, and I want to share my heart with them. I want to share my testimony, how I came to Christ, the vision that I had when I began, how I wanted to serve the Lord, all the struggles I've had. Have students ask me any question they wanted to about the ministry and, and the steps the Lord took me through to get here. I'd like to show people how we started because a lot of people came to the church when it was already like this. They didn't see the Lakes Apartments with three people and uh, the move over to Kaufman's West, the theater, Kaufman's West, the other place, and then this place, and, and just kind of take you there and show you those steps, share my vision, my heart that the Lord has given to me, and pass that on to you so that you can have the vision and run with it. And um, leadership principles will discuss, be discussed using... The book of Nehemiah is an Old Testament model. The book of Acts is a New Testament model. And beyond this, we will be teaching a class that a lot of you have been asking me to teach for two years now. We used to teach every year, every other year, a pastor's class, which we would take this summer and train people who wanted to be involved in pastoral ministry. And we trained them in things like theology, which will already be discussed, but hermeneutics, homiletics, how to study the Bible, how to preach the Bible, and then a challenge to go out. You know, I have a real desire to see this whole state have church planted, churches planted in it. Now, church has been planted in Tucson. Robert Furrow went down. Church is on the west side. Church up in Santa Fe, up in Denver, now up in, um, uh, where in Colorado? Where did John go? Fort Collins, Colorado. Uh, different people around the country and the world. But there's a lot of these cities in New Mexico that are still looking for pastors of churches. I get letters all the time from people in the state and all over the country. I love to be able to train people for the ministry and challenge them to go out and start a church. Get them all around the state. This isn't too big of a vision. See, our problem is we limit God. Oh, that's just so big. How could that? It can happen. Okay, and as I already said, this class will include ministry school students <clears throat> from the morning night students, home fellowship leaders together, and prospective pastors. Also, those, again, who wanted to go on uh, to Russia. Uh, I'm going to again contact the leaders of Campus Crusade for Christ and shoot for planting churches to first send our teams over in the spring or the summer after they can give us a little more of their contacts and information and we can have adequate time to train, send, and support them. Friday will be, in the first session, the church and spiritual gifts. This class will show the student the unique position of the family of God. A biblical church model will be presented discussing the purpose of the church in the world, how the church is to operate with its people and its leadership, deacons, elders, and so forth. The gifts of the Spirit will be overviewed using teaching tape series and textbooks. Second session will be biblical counseling. 
The student will be shown how to apply God's word to various life situations, including depression, divorce, guilt, relationships, etc. Those in the class will have opportunities to learn while counseling as well. The second semester will provide these opportunities, allowing the students to counsel with pastors and counselors in the church. We want to give people a semester of biblical counseling and then the second semester have them counsel with us before and after services and during the week. And then beyond that, with the school, we don't want just academics. We want this interfaced with taking students out in three different phases, locally and in the surrounding area, and then finally to uh, somewhere beyond our borders at the end of the school. And that's the pattern Jesus gave in the book of Acts. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, and the uttermost parts of the earth. I don't think Jesus meant do it in order and don't go anywhere else till you just cover Jerusalem. Because if we did that, that means we wouldn't go anywhere except Albuquerque because there's still people who don't know Jesus. But he meant while you're doing Jerusalem and there's people plowing the field here and doing the work here, then at the same time go to Judea, the surrounding area, and then also to the uttermost parts of the earth. So our local area here in Jerusalem, Albuquerque is our Jerusalem, some ideas, Thanksgiving sharing, food distribution, At Thanksgiving, Christmas, we have Joy Junction, Barrios for Jesus, Salvation Army, Rescue Missions downtown. There's widows in the church and widows outside of the church. Single moms in the church and outside of the church. And we can lead a lot of those people to Christ by reaching out as a servant. Convalescent home outreaches. Then there are the surrounding areas. You know, what I'd like to do is take the School of Ministry students and take them to, let's say, Calvary Chapel of Santa Fe or Farmington and and move in on them one Sunday and say, tell you what, let's... Let our students put on a skit for your Sunday morning. It'll just take three minutes. Or a little musical presentation. Encourage you. Give you a word of encouragement. And then, why don't all of your nursery and all of your Sunday school workers get relieved and go ahead and sit in the main service and we'll watch your kids for you. We've trained, we've been trained how to do that and we'll watch your kids for you so that you don't have to do it that one Sunday. And, by the way, do you need your bathrooms painted or weeds pulled? Our students will come in and we'll just serve you for that week and for that weekend. And uh, a scripture came to me on this trip in the book of Corinthians. I call it servant leadership like the Corinthian gang. I'll read the scripture. You know the household of Stephanus that they have devoted themselves to the ministry of the saints. I am glad about coming the coming of Stephanus, Fortunatus, and Achaicus. For what was lacking on your part they supplied, for they refreshed my spirit and yours. And you see, I want people who will be raised up like Isaiah, When God said, who will go for us? Who can we send? And instead of saying, here I am, Lord, send him. (laughs) Here I am, Lord, send me. And to go in and refresh spirits and not say, well, my my goal in life is just to get a Master's of Divinity degree. I want to have a fancy paper on my wall, but someone who says, I just want to be used of God. I want to be a servant leader, used and thrust out into his harvest field. Beyond that, there's Indian reservations that have asked us to come in. We've already brought the music team out there. We can, we can do musical presentations, skits. We can come alongside some of the pastors that are laboring out there, give them books, helps, encouragement, uh, do sports ministry outreaches. And then beyond our borders to the uttermost parts of the earth, Carlos is down in Mexico. We can take a team maybe at the end and all go down to Mexico together. And there's a lot of things we can do because... The School of Ministry students could go down to Mexico, say, for a week or two weeks at the, at the end of both semesters. They could be down there getting the churches together. We could have a crusade down there, a medical team outreach. If some of you are doctors, dentists, uh, nurses, we could set up a clinic, fix their teeth, give them shots, share the love of Jesus while we're doing it, put on crusades at night, musical teams, and share on the streets. And we could just kind of blitz that whole community for the gospel. Uh, we have opportunities and links in the Philippines, uh, Japan, Jordan, India, northern Thailand, Austria, and it goes on and on and on. But opportunities will be for these students throughout the school year to become servant leaders, and eventually what's going to happen is students who go to this school and who go to the night classes are going to learn principles of servant leadership, and that's going to be the new generation of leadership in this country and in this world that God's going to be looking for. Because it says the eyes of the Lord look to and fro throughout the entire earth 
that God can show himself strong on behalf of those whose hearts are turned toward him. That's what God's looking for. And God wants to raise up new leadership to go out and to make an impact for the gospel in this world. And what you're going to see is people raised up out of this school and go start churches like Robert or like John or like Con Tweeten in Santa Fe. And uh, the work that God has done is just the beginning. God said in Isaiah, Behold, I want to do a new thing. And so I think replacing the Thursday night midweek study with not only my leadership training on Thursday nights to all of anyone who wants to come to that, but also the school of ministry leaders in particular and, and students, we can affect this community and the world for Jesus Christ in a greater way. We can concentrate. And you know, Roy Gustafson of the Billy Graham Association, who's been here twice, you remember him speaking, a gray-haired elderly gentleman. He said, Skip, the way you want to do it is the right way. He said, every seminary is a testimony that the church has failed. Because if the church has to send its own out to train them without training them there and thrusting them out, something's wrong. Because usually what happens is the cream of the crop spiritually have a heart to be used by God and they go and leave the church and get trained somewhere else that is often in a more sterile environment. I'm not putting it down totally because I've had some seminary training. Though I don't hang my laurels upon that. But the truth is, God wants to raise out of this church and be trained by this church leaders to go out and change the world. And we want to be a part of that. We want to come behind your faith and make up for anything that's lacking. And we know that that's going to be a mutual thing that will encourage one another. So uh, any of you excited about that vision? See, I've looked at some of your lives and I've seen such potential that, God, that guy could really be used. Or that woman, boy, she could really be used for the Lord. And It'd be neat to be able to train them, offer them some classes, challenge them to go out and give them avenues and opportunities uh, to share their faith. Well, what do we have to do? What's the next step? Boy, I don't know. But uh, what I wrote a few things down. I wrote down the vision. I communicated with my leaders. I'm communicating it with you, the church at large. Why Thursday night? Well, this is more or less like a core group. We need to design a curriculum, hammer it out so it's really well done, and we have uh, we determine tuition for the half year, the full year, the night schools, determine teachers, special speakers that are going to come in, guest pastors that are going to be able to come in and uh, share their hearts, and then uh, get a brochure and distribute it to <coughs> not only this church, but... What I'd like to see happen is churches in the area who don't have anything like this for obvious reasons. Church in Santa Fe, in Denver, out in Tucson, around the country. That their people can come here and we can train them and send them back to them. And then that church can send them out. Also, every time I travel in different countries, I see students all over the world with God-given potential. I'm in, Ch in, in Japan and I see some men and women who I think have such spiritual potential. I'd love to be able to say to them, hey, come to the United States and spend one year at our church and go to our school of ministry and then go back to Japan and see what God would do with you there. And I'd love to have the school filled not only with people here but international students from Australia. We have contacts there and I'd like to challenge some of the people to come here uh, from China, from Japan, from the Soviet Union and fill this school not only with local people but with people from different countries, an international school where they can go out and change their community for the gospel. And uh, I'm just really excited to see what God's going to do. I'm really excited to see what God's going to do. As this thing gets more hammered out, we'll let you know. But we're looking at beginning the first of the year. So that around January 15th, after the holiday break, we can begin with our first school year. That first semester from January to May. And... Um, uh, we'll be letting you uh, in on some of the information we have. But especially some of you young people who could get by and working part-time and going to school part-time, uh, you know, God has His hand on you, and, and God has already been speaking to some of your hearts. I can tell that because not only do I see your faces, but I've spoken with you on numerous occasions. But then there's some of you who think, well, I work, I can't do it, but you'll have nights free, and you can do it. And what we want to do is give you what we give you on Thursday night in more concentrated form, require a little more study out of you, 
But at the end of this, you're going to come out much better for it. It's like taking uh, BSF and YWAM and a few other things and taking the best out of them, putting them together and training people to go out. You know, one thing I don't want to do is just have another Bible school or another quote-unquote seminary. I see people go to these things all the time and they stuff their heads with knowledge. And that's it. But deep inside, they have a real heart to do God's work. And we want to give them knowledge and avenues to do God's work. Uh, this last year, I taught some courses at a thing called the Whitfield Institute here in Albuquerque. It was taught at, taught at Heights Cumberland. And uh, I was asked to teach on uh, uh, the pastoral ministry, hermeneutics, Bible study. And one night, I, I did an interesting thing. I said, I'd just like to know a little bit about you, uh, where you came from, how old you are, your desires. And the person stood up and said, I'm so-and-so, and this is <coughs> my desire to serve the Lord. And I go to Calvary Chapel. Well, thank you very much. Someone stood up and, hey, I go to Calvary Chapel. Ninety-four percent of the students that night went to this church. And it was open to the whole city. And Gino tells me that he's doing a class for the Albuquerque Bible College and 13 out of 15 students go to this church. And what that shows me is that when people get well taught in the Word of God, they not only hunger for more and more in depth, but they hunger to take it and be used for the glory of God. And I think we would do you a disservice if we didn't provide training for you via not only home fellowships to link up relationships, but especially training in a school of ministry. And so we hope by God's grace to start this January. We still, by the way, have hopes for starting a kid's school. We've talked about we couldn't do it yet because we didn't have a playground or a kitchen facility, and we want to do it right when we do it. So we'll probably postpone it. Obviously, we're not doing it this year till next year. The big question you might have is, how can you do a school of ministry and a kid's school at the same time? Well, I don't know exactly, except we can always move the school of ministry to another rented building and use that for classroom facilities and allow the kids to be here. But we want to develop that curriculum correctly so that your kids get the best education at a fair price. And um, our desire is simply to train Christians to go out and win others to Christ and become mature. And uh, I'm excited to see what God's going to do in your life. See, that's the excitement for me. I get to travel and God opens up opportunities for me to speak in different places. And that's all right. That's neat. But I get excited when I see some of you that I've watched come to Jesus in this church. Take up the mantle of leadership and go and reproduce yourself. That excites me more than anything else. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we want to commit all of these things. And I've just opened my heart and shared with this congregation, believing, Lord, that that's what you wanted me to do. Lord, I pray that they will run those who read this vision. That you would raise up good, strong, spirit-filled teachers and leaders to teach, instruct, and administrate the school of ministry. Raise up more home fellowship leaders, Lord, for your glory. Breathe life into them. And train up men and women to be effective housewives, husbands, doctors, lawyers, office workers, as well as pastors and missionaries into the uttermost parts of the earth. Truth is, Lord, we know you want to use everyone. And we say, here I am, Lord, send me. In Jesus' name.